should you decide to accept it. To another episode of the Earmish Pot. This week, Jenny picked out a lovely Descendants two-piece, two things at once. Toma, you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. I actually, I guess maybe we should start at the beginning for once, not for once, but for once maybe in my picks when I start rambling. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's worth mentioning how this came to be on my radar, which is ties in so nicely to like the whole Descendants thing. So one of the things that I think really resonated with a lot of people, and if you watch the documentary or if you do in the future, I think this is pretty, I think it's a fair assertion on my part, which is that a lot of people re just really took to the Descendants because they were to my knowledge, one of the first bands who were playing like harder music, like punk music, but weren't trying to look hard in the slightest. And in fact, they were embracing Milo, the drawing of Milo that ended up being so emblematic of like them as a group. Milo was a nerd and as the album indicates, he was going to college. And in fact, he did get a PhD in a biology field, the specific one I forget, but he was very unapologetic about that and he wasn't like they weren't out there trying to like have like this the pointiest mohawks and like the spikiest spikes and all the leather like they were just like no we're nerds and that's fine we're not trying to to convince you that we're these really hard people and i think that really made them accessible to a lot of people who also were like oh i'm a nerd as well and i like this stuff too and i don't have to look you know a certain way or act a certain way in order to enjoy this and so that's, yeah, so I was introduced to the Descendants because I went to a spelling bee, uh, so nerd. I went to the National Spelling Bee in what, like 95? Yeah, 95. And there was me and one other kid there who were wearing Green Day t-shirts, like pretty much the only two who were not wearing uh, polos, I would imagine. And so, of course, like we immediately became friends and a lot of my punk exposure came from my friend Evan, who lived in San Francisco at the time and who loves music as much as I do. Just a, just a nice, heartwarming nerd story all around. I don't know how you, how did you guys come to this? How did I come to this college? Awesome. Freshman yeah. year, my next door neighbor, Andy Carr. He was super into a lot of really early punk. He introduced me to Husker Du, which is definitely another band that we should cover one and get do one of their albums for sure. Probably Zen Arcade, but and then yeah, it was just one of those records he had in his rotation that was playing. So that's Milo goes to college, not this comp, I guess, but Milo goes to college. But I do want to give a special shout out. I feel like he's gotten like several shout outs in this podcast and I haven't spoken with him in, and I actually don't even, I've completely lost track of him. I haven't spoken to him in 20 some years. It would be Doug Simmons, who was the first person to really introduce me to any kind punk. of punk. Yeah. And certainly West Coast punk. He, I don't remember him having this record. He might have, but I, I don't remember it. But certainly a lot of the music he introduced me to, it seems pretty clear that this is like a precursor to that. Which is cool. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, it was really college to me. And honestly, I probably haven't listened to this record since. Although, Suburban Home, I've heard it. I don't, I can't place where, but I've heard it multiple times. Maybe it's in like a movie or something. I don't know, I can't remember, but I, as soon as I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but but otherwise, like, these last two weeks have been, like, basically my first time engaging with the stuff in, like, decades, which is, which was really fun. It was really fun. Was super stoked. Ryan? What about you, Lewis? Yeah, it's pretty much the same story. Like, I'm, like, Doug introduced me to punk as well at about the same time. And I can't specifically remember the descendants from then, but... About the time I got to college and got access to broadband internet and started to like just try and make my way through all the bands that the bands I was into were into, yeah, I pretty pretty quickly found the Descendants. So Milo goes to college, like the album cover, yeah, it sticks out so much to me. And yeah. again, this is back from this is in ninety nine two thousand, and so you your music collection at least people our age was in like these big like cd binders where you had the you had the album cover the whatever the leaflet or the book or whatever and then you had the cd like behind that and i just remember going through andy carr's stuff and like that album cover like sticking out <laughs> because it's not it looks like half put together in a punk way but it doesn't really look like any other punk album <laughs> cover. And they were also trolling Milo. There's this yeah. part where they talk about in the documentary, they're like, I just need you to draw a goofy cartoon of Milo going, getting ready to go to college. And he like drew several versions. And, and they're like, no, the one with the tie. We're going with that. And it was basically like just teasing him a little bit, but in, in good fun. It wasn't even spirited, but it was great. It really is. Who else? What other punk band out there is just, we're gonna go with this cartoon, this is cool, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I, I wrote down a bunch of notes, but I think my main thing is just, this main realization that I had about this band was, like, it's not, like, it's all context, it's always context, right? Like, I think, if you think about the early, early, early punk bands, I honestly feel like their predecessors, thematically would be like the Ramones, right? Yeah, I think especially like the more pop-punk line, like that line of it for sure. Like, I mean, the Ramones were writing songs about sniffing glue and chicks and like getting into trouble and stuff like that. And not, <laughs> they weren't like anti-Reagan or whatever. Like. In fact, I think Johnny Ramone is like a very fam famously super, super conservative, randomly. <laughs> but, but like, I feel like thematically this is like idea of, hey, no, we're gonna write songs about what we know, and what we know is like chicks and fishing and you know, <laughs> that sort of thing, right? And that's how they got, that's really how all of this started, is that Bill Stevenson, when he was like a kid, like 12, 13, I think, or maybe a little bit older, but still definitely a young teenager, was working at Hermosa Tackle Box, which was like on the pier for Keith Morris's dad. 
actually, and he's asking Keith for music recommendations, and that's basically how all of this got started and took off, which I think is a really cool piece of uh, music. That is a random, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and how lucky they were. And, and I was listening to one interview with Bill talking about, Bill Stevenson talking about how just after the fact realized how lucky they were to be around all this stuff. Like, they would go to a show and pay five bucks and they would see X, The Germs, and like all these other really cool bands at the same time. And they were like in the middle of the scene that ended up becoming like very influential. And so yeah, of course, yeah, they randomly meet like someone associated with Black Flag and then like it goes from there. So one, one of the things is, one of the things I was reading is, or I listened to an interview with Bill and Milo and they were talking about like how uh, Milo goes to college, there's like, two songs that are really old, right? Like they're like super, super old. Like they were made way before all the other songs were written, which is Parents and, wait, hold on, let me see. What was the other one that he mentioned? It was Parents and... Maybe Gene is dead? I oh no, Statue of Liberty. It's Parents and Statue of Liberty. And it totally <laughs> makes sense because it like, the, the cool thing about this comp, this two things at once, is after you get the bonus stuff that came out actually before, is like singles or EPs and stuff like that. And there are songs on there where they're playing really sucks. And, but on Milo Goes to College, their playing is actually really great. That really surprised me how good their playing was, honestly. Because honestly, if you ever listen to the Germs or anything like that, they're playing really sucks and like it's all energy and fun and all that. But some of the bass lines on here are like fucking super yeah. cool and hard to play. Yeah. Yeah. The drumming I think is really good, really on rhythm. And then there's a song I remember I was listening to on on Two Things at Once. It was. I can't remember which one it was, but it's after Milo goes to college, and like the guitar is off with the drums, and <laughs> so they definitely like from when they started in the late '70s, they definitely just kept growing and growing, and like and oh, actually yeah. becoming like a pretty fucking good band. Um, right after this album, Milo fucked off to college, and right. then you know Bill was drumming for Black Flag for a little bit, and. Then by the and they did an all album and then by the time they got back together for everything sucks when Milo was back for a little bit, um, they really started. They really just hit their stride. As Stefan like, Stefan basically like it was his thing, his function or his goal to like really up the melodic aspect of it to really get the guitar work to do play around with that a little bit. And I think that's really. Because it occurred to me, I was like, I don't know when I say that these guys are widely considered the, the fathers of modern pop punk. Is you hear it here, but when you get to Everything Sucks, though, then you really start <laughs> to hear it because I think Stefan really hit his stride with that. Mm. And like Carl, his bass work is just, un it's crazy. It's crazy for just, it's mind blowing for just kids who are trying to do this stuff. I, I couldn't do it today. As a full grown ass adult, I couldn't do it. So the basis, so the basis on this record who I think was the original bassist, Tony Lombardo. I guess he was 20 years older than everyone else. 
That's true. He was older. And I, what I find really funny and interesting about that is, if you look at the songs he wrote. One of which, one of which is Suburban Homes, first song on side B. Yeah. Yeah. And this is we were talking about this in the pre-show, but I think it's worth reflecting on, right? Is when I first heard that song, I remember thinking, ah, oh, they're taking the piss out of being just some fucking schmo in the suburbs. But then. I don't think but and then, then, I, then I start reading and start reading because like for me it would be you'd ha- it'd have to be sarcastic. But then yeah, I'm re- and then I'm reading and then apparently he grew up with a bunch of like kind of half lunatic parents and he was just sick of like the instability and the like chaos of like his childhood and like for him he was just like and and. It's funny because that's his voice at the beginning of the, at the beginning of Suburban Home. So I'm just gonna put it on right now. <laughs> Hold on, let me just put that up a little bit. I want to be stereotyped. I want to be classified. <laughs> and the cool thing is like about that is I was listening to an interview where Milo was saying, yeah, like. The way, the reason he says it that way is because he's trying to explain it to me. He's, I want to be stereotyped. <laughs> I want to be classified. Like he just wanted to be, he wanted to have a nice house. <laughs> he wanted to have a nice place. And in the song, he's, I don't want your hippie pad. <laughs> and like, this is, I think, the novel, interesting, new thing that they did. Which is, it's not like it's like conservative or anything. It's just, they, I think, saw punk becoming just like anything else where it's like co-opted and then like you dissent by conforming to whatever people are doing in the scene or whatever and i think it's like it takes a lot of courage to just be yourself and be like nah fuck that shit i want to live in a nice house (laughs) so tony actually the the reason he was no longer the reason he i don't know if he said left is not the right word because I don't know if he left per se but Mm -hmm. there's a a whole section in the doc where he's talking about how they're like Tony we're gonna go on tour and he's but I just bought a house I can't go on I I have a job and a a house and a mortgage I I can't go on tour (laughs) and Bill was like yeah I get it we gotta replace you for the tour and then he just never was able to get back in even though later on he like really missed it and wanted to come back and they were like but we already have a guy now because remember the house and, the thing. <laughs> and, and there's a part where he's god it's been like 20 years haven't i been punished enough like just let me play with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really cute and sad that was li- that was exactly what happened he had a like a, he he literally got the suburban home and was like I need to pay this mortgage. I can't just fuck off the tour. Okay, I have a question. Do you think that, like, the DC scene and, like, bands like Minor Threat listen to this stuff and were at all influenced by this stuff? Now, part of the reason I say that is, like, the song I was thinking about was Marriage. Where it's, I don't want to have sex with you. I want you to be my wife. And I was thinking, like, is there, like, a... Is there like a kernel? And then like the whole time they're talking shit on people doing drugs, right? Like you're a fucking addict, whatever. And I wonder if there's like a kernel of the straight edge like stuff that happened mostly in the DC scene at first. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, 
I, I can't speak to those bands, but I can say that Bill Stevenson was pretty straight edge for a long time. I don't even think he drank for, I, they said that he had his first drink of alcohol, I, like, or, or drank, started drinking, like, after the band formed. And that was just because his mom was like an alcoholic and lost the family's house. And yeah, it was bad news. So Bill just totally stayed away from all of that. I think the other, the others indulged, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just speculating because you, you hear that. They're like, no. And it's, it's so funny because it's because there are so many different songwriters on here, right? So Milo's got a couple songs on here and Frank and Bill. And Tony, they all have songs on here. And so it's like interesting because it's like, so there's one song that's just, I don't want to smell your muff. And then there's another song that's, I don't want to have sex. Like, like I just want to be married, right? And then there's another song that's, you're a fucking punk poser. Stop being a fucking poser. I don't know, there's just like such a mix of things. And then there's another song that's like, I'm going to go on a fishing trip to get the fuck away from you. <laughs> I'm going to go fish. I don't yeah, know. It, it it's does, super it, cool. It, at times it feels like a little like schizophrenic in ways because you're like constantly switching back and forth between all these very different themes. Right. But it's also fun because if you like spend any time listening to Bill talk, like you can like in hindsight you can be like, of course that's his song. Like he's such a hopeless romantic and then um, Right, right. If you listen to Bill's songs on all, like the next the Pummel album. It's funny and sad and cute and heartwarming and, and a little bit sad is that they switch from being like kids here and like being real concerned about, ah, oh, I really want this girl, but she's busy chasing after assholes and like, <laughs> oh, I'm sad about it, or I really want a girlfriend, or I really want a serious relationship. And by the time they get to, to being all a little bit later, it's, it's, it's adultized because they've gotten that he's gotten the girlfriends but now like he's got breakups and it's like oh, right. this, crushing, this crushing part of adulthood it's you're just mature <laughs> that's all yeah so I wanted, I, did, I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about hope so I think hope is on oh it's not on yours Ryan I guess it's not on yours I don't think yeah it's no, no it's not okay <laughs> So, yeah, I actually chose Hope as my free bird in a bizarre way. And the thinking there was like, the, this is like their mission statement on romance, I guess, in some way. Or trying to get with a girl. But it's super interesting because I feel like back then it, it was like, it was just a bunch of, for a bunch of nerds that had a hard time trying to like, that were shy and had a hard time trying to talk to girls. This is like the perfect song, right? Yeah. Well, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> now, I was just gonna say, like, I, the thing to think about with, like, in general, the hardcore movement as it came out of the late 70s, that straight edge kind of component was built off of, yeah, these kids that were the kids of hippies that had spent, like, their entire teenage years getting fucked up and didn't know how to be adults. And we're also like, outside of that like, fucked up on heroin all the time, punk music that came out of like the early 70s. So it's like second generation punk in that it's rebelling against the effects of rebellion. <laughs> and in doing that, it's like about like, oh yeah, like love and 
hope and fuck you if you think I'm a loser. Like, <laughs> like all the like themes that they're angry about are the themes that like the first generation of punk used to rebel against like kind of conformity in the 50s. Yeah. And yeah. they're saying like, I don't have to like completely destroy my life. There are things I'm angry about too and I can express them and I don't have to be like completely out of my head the whole time or ruin yeah. my life. I can go to college. I can get like a job in a suburban home. It's, Wearing spikes. You don't have to wear, you know, have to do the whole right. thing that everyone else yeah. is doing. Yeah, but, yeah. I, and, and I think that's like more than anything, it can be the unsettling theme of this album at first because the attitudes of it are very like right in the pocket for that like early 80s punk. It's fast. It's not excessively complicated. We aren't doing guitar solos. We're not singing. We're like, we're mixed singing and yelling at you. Yeah. But like, it's not a downer the entire time. And, and I think it's, it can be a little unsettling if you're going into it expecting, fuck your society, we'll burn it down. <laughs> Just from the sound of it. Because it's not that. But it's I kind of like so I mean, much cooler. Yeah, right, so exactly. much cooler. I kind of like it's that. So, it's more relatable. Like I feel yeah. like the the nerd component is like, like this is that like affirmation that it's cool if you don't fit in with those guys either. There's this little pocket of punk music that's ready for you, and it's not about it's not like New York hardcore where it's like agnostic front and bands like that that are really just going out and like like borderline borderline soccer hooligan, right? Like yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like bands like Minor Threat and Black Flag and the Minutemen, right? Like, I think Los Angeles put out the most interesting side of that because it had that kind of surf component, that kind of like sunshine, whereas New York hardcore had like grime and poverty and like the city skyline blacking out the sun. Uh, it's a different vibe than different in vibe. the West Coast. Totally different yeah. vibe. Well, I, well go ahead, Jim. Put another, yeah, I'll be quick. Put another way, I think, not only are they not fuck, fuck your whole thing, we're gonna burn it down to the ground, blah, 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 blah. They're actually like more in line with, that's ridiculous and we're not gonna do shit, but we will make fun of you for it mercilessly, which I like. Yeah. Like, I'm Not a Loser has that kind of interesting vibe through the whole thing. Like, it's one of, like, easily one of my favorite songs on the album. It's definitely it's, one of my favorite songs on the record. It, it's it's just, like, all the things that they're yelling at him, and he just, it, he's walking home with his backpack and his homework and his glasses, and the punks are, like, smoking and, like, shooting heroin and making fun of him, and he's just had enough. And he turns around and just lets loose on him. And it's so much fun. Yeah, and let's loose, of course, in a, in a not very 2021 friendly way, which was pretty funny because I, I hadn't listened to that song in so long. And um, like, I need to it, look at the lyrics on that because I'm not sure who was directing those slurs at who. <laughs> I think the, the, the narrator is directing those slurs at yeah. the people that antagonize him. <laughs> but. No, what's interesting about that is I don't think I batted one eye at that those lyrics in 99-2000. But in 2021, I was immediately like, what, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I see. We don't say that in <laughs> No, but, but and it's funny because I've read, they've, I've read what they've said about that, that just 
hey, look, that's what all the that's what that's the the language all the kids were saying back then. It sucks. We don't want to hurt people's feelings and then blah 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 all that stuff. But that was like just what they which. Let me tell you, I can completely understand because not less than 20 years later, 20 years later, that same language is being used. So I think it's just now it's like aged poorly. And I think even now when they do it live, they don't, they change the lyrics. So it's not exactly that, whatever. And there's plenty of songs where there's plenty of songs where there's arguably like slut shaming going on and stuff like that. And like to me, again, it's context. I'm not going to crucify them for being like teenage kids in 19 late 70s early 80s in california and and i think they've always maintained that look man basically we didn't know any better type stuff but i mean also I, yeah go ahead. Oh, go ahead i think later on it there was also like a lot of co-opting of that though or i don't say owning it because they weren't but do you if you've ever listened to the queers for example they basically like took that and made it their whole thing. Like Born to Do Dishes or any of those. I don't know. I, I think, I don't know where I was going with that. Obviously I agree with everything you said, but I'm saying like, I, I think also a lot of people, there were bands that kind of took that and ran with it and just were like, we're just gonna, we're gonna turn that around or make it our thing. Um, yeah. It wasn't about calling out somebody else when they did it. Like, it, it was really about just, like, making space for themselves in a very punk way of being like, yeah, fuck you. Like, well, yeah, it like is. You think, you think we're the outcasts. We can be just like you two, so. I think, I think yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's more, that was a really powerful insult back then. So let's break out the big fuckers, right? And, like, it's, yeah, it's not surprising. There's a lot of things that haven't, quote, unquote, aged well. Like, I was, like, just to go back to hope. It's, it's a Pepe, Pepe Le Pew situation with that, I would say, right? Where it's just he's basically saying, yeah, you're, I'll be around. You're, you're going you're gonna to have fun, and then you're going to come crawling back to me because I'm going to be around, because I'll be the only one. I'm, I'm going to play the long game, which, yeah, that hasn't aged well. I'll just say that. But I, I have to think that a kid hearing that's like shy and has trouble talking to girls, that would be like their total anthem. I, I don't know. Right. Also, I'm not a, like the part that I, I think, I don't know if I want to say it's aged well, but I'll say that I still, upon listening to it now, like I'm just like, hell yes, is the part and I'm not a loser. Yeah, right here, when your daddy talking about how some people have real problems, yeah. you rich assholes. Oh, you just wasted all your money buying this girl coke and she won't fuck you. And it's like, <laughs> I'm also really upset because girls won't fuck me, but it's different and fuck you because you have money and things. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like I said, it's like a very unpretentious working class sort of thing. And that's cool. That's cool. You don't, that, that isn't so represented punk at the time, for sure. Do you guys... I think it's funny with the every, every three different songs that end with edge and I never knew really that that was like a thing that people actually said <laughs> like adding the edge at the end of this award or whatever I, I feel like I saw it in movies and shit but <laughs> I just didn't actually think that like real Californian people actually did that shit I mean, I, I don't know if they did as a whole population, but obviously the Because like, like, like My Edge, My Edge is, the reason it's called My Edge is because at the time, that was the only song that Bill had written. 
And it was my song. It was my edge. Let's play my edge, my song. And then I think Bike Edge was because, like, even though it has nothing to do with bikes, I think the original lyrics, I believe, like the original lyrics when they first wrote it, had something to do with bikes. I can't remember. Something like that. But also, there's Tony Edge. There's Tony Edge, yeah. which is like the Tony yeah. song. Let's play the Tony. Let's play Tony song. Tony Edge. But it, I don't know. Like in the '90s, I feel like you see some shit like that in movies, like when, or maybe something that Polly Shore could have said. Yeah. And maybe. Yeah. Ryan, where's your where's your reservoir, Polly Shore? Now. Yeah. <laughs> I am pretty sure that Polly Shore said "grindage" in a movie, and it was probably like, what was that one where with the him and and oh. And he was trying to marry that dude's daughter. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, was that the one on the farm, right? <laughs> yes. That. I'm Dude, the only one said the word grinded. The only one of those I remember is Encino Man. And it's so bad, dude. Come <laughs> on, you don't you're telling me you don't remember Biotown? Right, with him I mean, the, the, the younger Baldwin. I remember, yeah, I remember that movie, but I don't remember, I'm sure I watched it, I don't remember like one detail of anything that happened in the movie. They're stuck in a biodome, basically, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the, probably, the title is self-descriptive. I mean, Polish yeah. movies were just, I don't Happy. even, yeah, Happy. and do you know you know about him, like he, he was, uh, he's the son of Mitzi? who ran yeah. the comedy was the comedy, the comedy store, store yeah. in LA yeah. which was like the comedy club for all the LA comedians yeah so so like he was always the brat kid that was the owner's son like hanging around the comedy store yeah yeah but anyway I don't know I guess that actually comes from something which was interesting to yeah <laughs> to yeah learn. I guess I, <laughs> I always just assumed yeah I guess I didn't assume that anybody but Polichor was doing that like I always just figured that was, I don't remember it from anything else. So the, the, I put all of the Edge songs on my cut, by the way, plus Marriage, if you want to count that as an yeah, Edge song. Count. <laughs> um, yeah, and they're, they're, and they're all super fun. Another one that doesn't, has not aged well, Kabuki Girl, I would say. <laughs> no, I, I'm so disappointed. I feel bad about that, but on the other hand, it is... It came very close to being my number one favorite song on this album, like hmm. musically. I love that song, and I, yeah, I was a little cringe about it. Well, but, you know. So here's something interesting, by the way. I, re I was reading an article about this. But Kabuki is, is Japanese theater, essentially musical theater performance. So traditionally, Kabuki was like, even the parts for girls were played by men. That's right. And it was just that. like someone was writing something about how hilarious that was, given what they say at the end of I'm Not a Loser. <laughs> I had never thought about that, but that is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a mystery to me. Makes It really has a whole new meaning. I know, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, it's such a good song, though. I it is, is, is definitely. When you don't say sayonara. Like that, I just love that every time. It's so great. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that wasn't. I guess it wasn't on my cut. I tried to keep. I tried to keep it. I don't know. It it, it was really tough. Not because there were some songs I didn't love. So that was it was easy to cut. But I feel like my cuts like 15 minutes long. 
don't know. <laughs> to be fair, the entire thing is just over 30. And yeah. it's technically an album and an EP sewn together. So. Yeah. What do you think about what do you think about just the idea of a one minute song, a fifteen second song, like a f- two minute song? Just what do you, I don't know? What are your thoughts? It's like unsettling to my sort of like pop music like brain. But Wiener Schnitzel is literally in order at Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> It's a 12-second song. I don't want to get off topic, but Mm. can I just say, screw you guys, because I googled Wiener Schnitzel. I was like, you've never eaten one. I want to eat it one. I know. They're all over. I saw that. I looked at their locations, and I was like, literally the closest one to me is in Illinois, like seven hours (laughs) away, and y'all have... But it's not that. I don't know. It's not... I wouldn't... It's not like my go-to remotely. there are better hot dogs. There yeah, are better hot sure. dogs than that. Sure. But every now and then I get a wiener schnitzel. And you do? Yeah, Is it good? Yeah. I've I been mean, there like three I, times. I want to be clear that nothing about that 15 second like chaos made me think that wiener schnitzel had a Michelin star. That's not that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, yeah. Just wanted to do it for the nostalgia. So and for sure. the lulls. Here's, here's the thing, Jenny. You might not know about New Mexico, but okay. we have so many fucking fast food restaurants we have so many restaurants period then on top of that we have like so many options when it comes to fast food and if you're not like like to me it's like there are 15 different fast food places i'd rather go to than wiener schnitzel do you know what i mean if, if i maybe i'm driving by wiener schnitzel i'm fucking hungry as hell fine it's it Dude, it's still above Taco Bell. It's still above Jack in the Box. Like, <laughs> both of those are garbage. Like, Wiener Schnitzel is at least a little bit better. Do, okay, what about what? Where's Whataburger rank in your fast food uh, tier? I like their fries a lot. Okay. I like their burgers better than McDonald's, I guess. Okay. Like, so it's yeah, not I'm that. Not it's not like that. Okay. So it's okay. No, so, Jenny, this is important because... I mean, I, it's probably in my top three around here. We have a... Jenny, we actually legit, before the show ever was a thing, we have a legit franchise called Bob's Burgers. Like, local yeah. franchise, Bob's yeah, Burgers. Yeah, and it's good. And it's I really mean, fucking yeah, good. It's a good local burger joint, yeah. <laughs> huh. Alright, when I'm out there next, I'm going to have to make a fast food triangle around Albuquerque. What's that a, hits some of these places. Dude, there's the. I think probably number one next time you're out here would be Blake's. I feel like you gotta hit the Blake's. I don't know. Is, yeah, is that I fast food? Like, I feel Blake's Lotta Burger is definitely fast food, but it's it's at least New Mexico fast food, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not. A, it's a joint that started in New Mexico. And still feels like they might deliver a burger on roller skates in some <laughs> of the locations. I mean, they might as well, dude. They're they're not very fast, I would say. It's good. It's just like you're yeah, gonna wait. Maybe they could speed things. I mean, up. Exactly. You're gonna wait. You're gonna wait. But anyway, yeah. No. So we have so many options, and it's moderately paced food. <laughs> we have so many different like options. I just the the closest one to me, I think, Ryan, is on Carlisle, and. 
Candelaria, I want to say, or somewhere like that. It's on the, the corner. Closest, the closest. Wait, the closest Wiener Schnitzel or the closest? The closest like, Wiener Schnitzel. This Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that might be right. So there's one right by the comic shop that I frequent. Like they share a parking lot. Okay. Um, what, what about the ice? Have you had the ice cream? Is the ice cream not. worth anything? Because I feel like that's no half of their values. Hot dogs, I mean, ice cream, right? If we want to get nostalgic, do you remember Tasty Freeze? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had both both decent hot dogs and decent ice cream. See, that's, that's such a weird concept. It just seems so weird. It's like pizza and fucking... I don't know, Slurpees or something like that. Like it just seems, I don't, I don't know how they go hand in hand exactly. Anyway, look, I'm, what, all I'm trying to do, Jenny, is I'm trying to lower your expectations. It's just about pulling up to their drive-thru and yelling this song at uh, just once. How many, now, how many times has that happened to them? I'm sure. In California, probably. I don't know. I mean, you guys have a, a lot of people in Albuquerque. Do you Ryan, do you want? To... Uh, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, we'll we'll cookie puss a what? What was the company that did ice cream cake? Carvel. Oh, Carvel. So we'll we'll have we'll have a prank punk travel day. We'll we'll find a Carvel and we'll play cookie puss for them. Then we'll go to Wiener Schnitzel and we'll play Wiener Schnitzel. Dude, dude. Also, one of the worst quote unquote songs on here. I'm not even gonna, like to me this is where I start getting like a little annoyed is I like food come on dude dude I want to be a bear is pretty funny that is, is a, no that one's funny I like food is just not really a song it's more of a statement of like fact declaration that they've decided to yell very loudly this, <laughs> yeah. I mean I do we not, were these guys part of the vegan part of hardcore? Were they that level of hardcore? No, no. There, was, I, no. there were so I many like New York hardcore guys that were vegan. So I, it's, I'm never quite sure where to follow, like where the hardcore thread becomes straight edge vegan or yeah, where I don't know, it like, drops off to just hardcore. That's what I was saying. To me, it's like thematically, there's some stuff that's overlap for sure. But I don't know, as yeah. far as I know, they're not vegan yeah, or not like, any of that shit the lead singer of the crow mags was like famously super vegan i think and yeah the new york scene had all these like vegan punks that were like yeah meat is murder man such a weird thing to have a punk rocker tell you me and mckay is the same thing right like he was a super yeah, vegan yeah. too yeah yeah, yeah. well and, and you know fugazi famously didn't let people like mosh they'd stop a show people started moshing yeah <laughs> yeah there, fortunately, there is there are a bunch of live, like recordings on YouTube, of them performing their stuff from back in the day. And yeah, no, there was a lot of yeah. people having fun. Yeah. That, so the interesting thing in in this album, and I think Tommy, you pointed out when we were talking last week at some point online, um, there's not really a lot of options for music videos in this scene, but. Surprisingly, like every fucking show is recorded, right? There's so many live recordings. Nobody broke them up, but they're like 11 minute videos and it's a full concert. I was watching one that, uh, one show and they actually did Wiener Schnitzel as an intro for another song. 
mean, <laughs> it's pretty fucking hilarious. But uh, yeah, no, look, so just a preview, I guess. I did make three videos. Two music videos and then one silly video for Wiener Schnitzel. And I, what I did was I just, I pulled up the Bones Brigade videos. Ryan, do you know anything nice. about that? Yeah, that was the, so that was a skateboard bearing company, right? Bones Bearings? I believe so, and that was like the first well-known famous skateboard team that Stacy Peralta ran and included yep. Tony Hawk and many other like very well-known skateboarders from back in the day. So Yeah, that's, if nothing else, like listening to this album, like the trip to Lowe's, right? There was like a one in a hundred chance I was coming out of there with the parts to build, like at least a ramp, right? Like maybe not a full half pipe in the backyard, but at least a ramp. And it's just like all I can picture like skate videos. Like I just miss show up at somebody's house and you're there for like hours and the only thing that plays are like skate videos just constantly skating and drinking and hanging out when I was a kid like yeah those skate, skate videos were like so super cool and what's really cool about them they mutated into like stuff like Jackass or CKY right like so yeah. they mutated into not just being about skating and just being about like young kids like being like fucking insane you got a bunch of kids using the family camera to film each other skating around whatever town they're in like eventually like a tour video it turns into like hijinks there's just gonna be hijinks and someone's got a camera around and yeah cky was really good at capitalizing on that i, I feel uh, like whatever i feel like the to me like the like the prank stuff and the stunt stuff it was usually like very small pieces of those old skate videos. It'd be yeah. a lot of skating and then a little bit of yeah. stuff like that. And then I feel like the CKY guys, and they basically took that little thing and made it a whole, like <laughs> made it well, the thing, right? So the CKY guys took like, basically they took the, the they started making the music that was in the skate video. The, yeah, right? his yeah that was Bam Jerry's older brother. That was the yeah. that was that was yeah. in CKY, right? Yeah. Jess, I think his first name is Jess Marjera. Yeah, right. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys are making music, and then like it's the music for the skate videos, and then the skate videos. It just becomes this amorphous thing <laughs> where like one's feeding into the other, right. and then they're so they're tour videos where the like prank stuff really catches on hard and like half of jackass is just touring and skating with cky and they're filming each other doing horrible things to each other like yeah behind the scenes so that that then just becomes its own thing it's yeah it's like punk music like little piece of it pieces of it bleed over into another thing and then it becomes something else and it's great it's great because so, it's like a never-ending thread. So I've got a proposition for you, Lewis, and I, I think that you don't. I, I think you can combine this this urge to build a skate park, and you can also get your suburban home on too while you're at it. You can have all these things. Just go to Lowe's and get the stuff to build a pool, and sometimes you can swim in it and be like adults, and the rest of the time you drain that shit. <laughs>
So there, there was a house that we looked at. There was a house that we looked at that had, at one time, had a pool in the backyard. And instead of collapsing the pool and filling it in the way you're supposed to, they just filled it in. So nice. the house needed work, but you could, I could have totally dug out that pool and then we would have been on. The problem was it was most of the backyard. Like it was like, do you remember the pool you set up in your like backyard at one point in your apartment? <laughs> it was yeah. like the yeah. twelve by five pool that just fit with two inches Perfect. to spare. <laughs> Perfect. It was genius. That was fantastic. That entire summer. Was great. <laughs> um, how did you drain it? Did you run it, just run a hose to the street, or did you just drain it in the yard? It's a fucking yard, man. It's a yard. It'll absorb. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you bring all this stuff. You bring all this stuff up. I just finished, and the kids have been playing it in all day. Installing a stock tank pool, an eight foot in diameter stock tank pool with a pump, a filter, chlorine, a pool cover, all the whole nine, and it's awesome. I don't care what anyone says, dude. The kids love it. It's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> it's galvanized. It's galvanized uh, steel, like, tank. And it's fucking, it's huge. It's eight foot in diameter and shit, so. I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I'm super proud of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I missed out on that. I completely forgot you were going to be building that. I'm oh, no, well, that there's, no, nah, dude, it's good. You're going to, you're going to come in and, and take a dip and enjoy. And enjoy, yeah, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> so, wait, wait, what else? What else? Oh, fuck, I was about to say something. God damn it. Sorry, guys. The fishing. Are there any other punk songs about going fishing? Is that a thing? Not to my knowledge. I, I think that this might be... There might be a big leap between Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay and the, <laughs> I'm not I, sure if there's... I mean, an, or, wait, can we fit, I don't know, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? It's nautical <laughs> theme. Yeah. It, it's amazing that they have a punk song about fishing and a punk song about going to Catalina and getting on your boat. Like, and yeah. and the best thing about Catalina is that, like, the chorus of the song involves, like, repairing your busted-ass car. But you're, it's still going to get you to Catalina to get on your boat and get away from things. <laughs> right. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. I, I picked that one as my... As my Freebird, because I thought there's several choices on here for like longing for folks or being folks. What I assume girls, whatever, longing after girls or being like hung up on girls. But I was, I really thought about it more. Of Freebird is about we're going our separate ways, and even though Freebird, I think has a much sweeter sentiment. That I guess this is. Catalina is what happens when you're these kids and you're young and you're like, we're going our separate ways and also fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love like the two tapes that he turns on in the car in Catalina right. are the Beatles and the Doors. The Doors. <laughs> Again, it feels like it's a sarcastic remark about some like 
poser ass guy in his boat shoes like driving down to Catalina listening to the doors and getting on his boat any other punk album it would be about fuck that guy in his boat and his fucking doors album but instead <laughs> it's so ah, if I could just get this jalopy going like I can get myself to Catalina and I'm totally gonna listen to the Beatles the whole way <laughs> it's like, wow so dude great. you're a punk rocker this is awesome Dude. They really did just do whatever they felt like. You have to, you gotta appreciate that they did not care. Cool, not cool. Like, they pick and chose from that, yeah, yeah. both of those lists. They were not about wearing the uniform of any of them, no. right? Well, nothing. No, you don't get to define anything that I'm doing and call it not punk. <laughs> like, it's fuck you. That's how punk it is. Fuck you. I'm going fishing and that's punk. How, it, that's hard to do. It's yeah. <laughs> that's hard, but they sell me on it. I'm not gonna... There's, yeah, yeah I, I think, like, for me, you just, they really are able to, in, in like, their individuality, it really shines through, and, like, by this point, punk was, like, already a thing, like, it was already a thing that you could be, right? Well, it, it, already, already, had, it, it already had a formula. Right. Right, like, more importantly than it can be, a, it, like, it pretty... Punk music had its appeal in the fact that you could be it. Even if you didn't play an instrument, you could be a punk rocker. And this is, again, that next level. Yeah, but fuck your uniforms and punk punk. <laughs> but like, this is so like the quintessential nature of what can you be that can be punk. It's a little bit of fuck the hipsters in some way. Because it's like, because it's the... I'm gonna be special. I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna be unique. I'm gonna be into things that no one else is into. And but somehow you look exactly like all those other people that are doing the same thing. I, I don't know. It's just, and I can completely understand that. Like when, because when you're really different, there isn't really a group you totally feel comfortable with. <laughs> Yeah. The, the line in Tonyage where it's just like, you were all surfers last year, you're fake hardcore. Right, like, exactly. God. Like, we, we saw you out there surfing last year, yeah. and now we're supposed to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about the songs that weren't on Milo Goes to College? Basically starting with My Dad Sucks through to the end. I, it, I, like, Mr. Bass is a lot of fun. Yeah. I like that for, mm -hmm. I like that for a, a track. I don't think I had the rest of them. Okay, so Ride the Wild and It's a Hectic World, right? They're the yeah. side B tracks of that. Mm -hmm. I, those are some of, I don't know, it's like they're so far ahead of what would become this like kind of surf vibe that went into other music. Nobody else, nobody was really doing that. Like right, the other right. hardcore guys. The Minutemen were maybe close to doing that because they were doing a little bit more of the like kind of ska related, but it still wasn't surfy. It wasn't surfing in the way that Ride the Wild is surfing. Yeah. I don't think you were not here when we were talking about that earlier. Those two plus, what was it, Bikeage Alonzo? Mm -hmm. Those two, those three songs have that guitar with it that to me sounds like what Rancid starts doing later on. All th I, well, I know that... Go ahead. Sorry. But I was going to say, and it's a little bit of what the Dead Kennedys were doing too, right? Like, it's a little Dead Kennedys in it too. I hear that at random points in this, on this record, on Milo, for sure. 
There was a song, yeah, so the last two songs, Ride the Wild and It's a Hectic World, I think those were like super early singles, pre-Milo. And so I was listening to that same interview I was listening to with Bill and Milo, and he basically Milo was their biggest fan before he ever joined the band. He was like Bill's friend from school. And so Bill would pick him up when he would go practice with the rest of the band because Milo was like such a huge fan and they had just put out the Ride the Wild. And so he shows up and the rest of the band is like getting, like they're starting to play better and better. And so they're getting frustrated with the fact that like the songs are getting a little more complex and that they have to sing. And apparently I guess Frank was like, why don't we just fucking have Milo sing? <laughs> And Milo knew all the words to everything because he was like the super fan. So he already knew all the words to all the songs. And that's how Milo started singing for them. It's especially Ride the Wild. That's the one that he like was just like, he thought it was just the coolest thing ever. And it's different, it really sounds different to me. I'm gonna put it on right now. It really sounds just, it's not as hard. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just the recording, I'm not sure if it's the recording. It's more melodic. There's more singing with the harmonies. It's cool. It's just real different. I really like this song a lot. Like it, it's yeah. my number five favorite on the whole album. And that's a, guys, the, the, the numeric uh, rankings on this one were, were pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> my whole list was like full of fives and 4.75s and nice. 4.5s. Yeah, it, it is a great song. I've always loved this one. But this yeah, is... I, I think they've got the hardcore speed, but instead of distortion, they went with reverb. Yeah. It just gives this great sound. It's cool, though. It's really cool. Yeah. It just, and, and it's not Milo singing, also, which Milo's yeah. voice kind of has a rough edge to it. Like, for me, like, I've listened to the song. I, I don't think I'd ever listened to it, or at least, yeah, I don't think I'd ever really listened to it. Yeah. This is pretty, yeah, this is pretty, this is cool and different, and it's weird to think that this came before, or this was out before. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the stuff that, like, Waves becomes in 30 years. Yeah, I have a Waves link in the after party. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, Waves, Waves is a, the, my favorite thing, yeah, King of the Beach. That is such a fucking yeah, good, that is such a good record, yeah. dude. Super good. Shit. What else? What else do we have? Does, what, does anyone have anything else? I went through all my notes. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have anything else that stands out that that I really feel like we haven't covered. Damn. Yeah, I think so, dude. I, yeah, like I said, <laughs> I went through all my notes. Yeah, much like a Descendants track, this is a short one. Well. Let me, I, I guess maybe I've covered just about most of the, it was really hard to shorten it down to like just the stuff that I wanted to put in here mm -hmm. because the doc has so many crazy things in there. Like a story about how Bill got really sick in later years and had- the Brain surgery, right? But yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was, what the word for it is. It was a huge blood clot in his lung, like a massive blood clot, like sizable and he went to the doctor and they finally like, they did surgery first to get rid of the, the blood clot in his lungs. I think they said it was like something like this long, it was, it was huge. And the doctor who did the surgery 
like afterward was like talking about it with the other surgeons and whatnot at the hospital and was like, you will not believe, look at this x-ray, look at the size of this thing. And they were like, oh damn, where's the body? And he's like, you don't understand, this guy's still alive. That's the extent of how bad it was. Yeah. And they're like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, the dude's alive. And then they discovered that he had, you know, the brain tumor too, but they couldn't operate on it right away because they were they had him on blood dinners for the whole lung clot. So there was like, I think a year where he was just like trying to get off the blood thinners enough to have the brain surgery. Like he was in really bad shape. And then his doctor, who they interviewed in the documentary, it was wild because he said, oh, we just got to talking. And I was like, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a drummer. And he was in bands I might know. And he was like, well, you know, I played a black flag. And then doctor looked at his chart and he was like, Wait, are you Bill Stevenson? And he's yeah. And he's like, oh my God, I fucking love your band. But it was yeah. like, <laughs> It was such a cool little moment that his surgeon was like, I have, here's a photo of me at a Descendants concert when I was a kid. And yeah. it was just like this very cool thing. And there's just like tons of roads you could go down and, and things you could talk about that there's just not time to do them all. So I narrowed it down to only the most relevant. But I, I would probably wrap up by just maybe talking about all the, all the things that they influence. If you... Maybe you, like us, this set of music came out when we were still like little children. Yeah. And we came to this much later in life. And, you know, yeah, if you, I was like two. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you like pop modern punk, I'm not really much for it, to be honest. Link 182 is fine, but I don't like ever turn it on purpose. I don't see this uh, is the thing. I know, I know, Jenny, like, I know that in theory, that this was like the sort of antecedent or predecessor or whatever you want to call it to that stuff. But that stuff doesn't feel the same way this stuff does. You know? Not at all. Not at all. That, that, that stuff's filtered. Like, this stuff was created by people that felt passionately about the things that they did. And I'm sure, I'm sure Blink-182 could argue that they were passionate about their music. But, like, they were not in this same position. There's just no recreating this with that. That's just, it's diluted a couple times over. I th yeah, um, yeah. There's just some, something, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's passion, I don't know if it's, like, uh, this is more raw. This is a little bit more scuffed up, like, sure. not sand it down. A little, little grimier. The edges are harder. It's, it's more just, like, I guess well, authentic's not a word I want to use, but my point is just that if you're someone who's into that later stuff, you would do yourself a huge favor to visit some of this stuff, in my opinion. It's not hard to trace, again, it's punk music, it's not hard to trace the lineage, right? If you get interested in the people that inspired the people you listen to to make music, you, you will find that, you know, maybe one step down on the tree, maybe three steps down on the tree, maybe five steps down on the tree. It's bands like The Descendants. It's, this, this kind of shit just didn't exist without The Descendants and Black Flag, like kind of creating that West Coast sound for hardcore. Also, it's not even just, it's not even a direct line. This family tree has branches because Dave Grohl, like in several different interviews and places, 
has said that he learned to drum by listening to Bill Stevenson. And he's not going on to make any kind of like punk per se. He's going on to make grunge. He's gone on to do Foo Fighters as a drummer and Queens of the Stone Age and all that stuff. It's They really have influences in way broader places than even I would have thought well, about. I mean, definitely. I it's not surprising, but. I think definitely Dave Grohl and Kirk Cobain, Nirvana in general, were super influenced by LA punk. And I think Pashmir or Pashmir was in the Germs. He was in the Germs. Yeah. He was in the Germs, and he was yeah. their like second kind of second guitarist, touring guitarist. So, yeah, no, there's no doubt. It doesn't surprise me, and the sounds mutate and stuff like that. But I okay, here's something else. Is it fair? Is it fair or unfair? But I feel like Blink One Eight Two was like, and a lot of that kind of stuff was like music for bros, and I didn't like. I don't. This isn't that. This isn't that, right? I don't know. I, at least that was my yeah. perception. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like Blink-182 existed because there was an avenue to put a music video on a thing. So it was about something different than this. Mm-hmm. Like, this was created from a different place. Yeah. So it's not fair to talk about them in the same category, really, because... There's a different level of passion. There's a different motivation, right? Like the sounds are similar, but the like results couldn't be more different. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Should we rate this fucker? Yeah. Um, sure. I can. Uh, I can start. I, I'll jump in front this time. Okay. So for me, this is the full cut of it. Is probably in that three and a half, four, like four range. Probably closer to four. Just because there's a lot of hardcore that I cannot listen to start to finish on an album. It just becomes just too much. (laughs) And it's the same thing with some pop punk. Like it really takes like a masterpiece for me to put on the album and start to finish listen to it. And the first three or four listens to this, which granted we're in the same hour and a half, it, it was like i didn't have anything i wanted to skip the first few times through i just wanted to listen to the whole thing over again and then once i started dialing it in it still wasn't hard to fill 13 14 tracks for anything else like a 13 track cut would be practically a couple album in some cases Here we are in like 15 minutes, and it's great. It's perfect for a drive to Lowe's and back if you want to like roll your windows down and scream punk music at the top of your lungs. Yeah, I had that. I had that thing that happened a bunch of times where I had this thing cranked up pretty loud, and I'm driving somewhere and I park, and then turn the car off and get out, and people are half staring like, yeah, kind of, huh? <laughs> like does that. That guy has gray hair. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, at least a few. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun and perfect for that. And again, on a good stereo system that can pick up the bass, the bass lines are fantastic. Like the low end of the drums, like the the actual bass, the kick drum or the floor toms that that get hit through this thing. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's a really bassy punk album. It's really nice. I'll go second. So for me, Milo goes to college part. If we're just talking Milo goes to college, I think it's a four two five. I I loved it. It was fucking awesome. It was great. The songs that just have so much energy. 
the playing was way fucking better than I thought, than I remembered. That, I, like, really stood out. I was like, damn, these guys know how to fucking play. I really like Milo's voice. I like what he can do with it. I really like some of the lyrics. I think some of the lyrics are really clever, funny. <laughs> and then a few of the songs I definitely, if I would have known about them when I was, like, super young, I would have definitely jammed the fuck out of. Probably, for sure, like, Hope, for sure, Bikeage. There's a bunch. There's a bunch there that, like, for sure, like, just off of the lyrics alone, I would have, like, really dug. I think the whole thing, to, all together, I'd say 375. Just because I didn't, like, with the exception of, with the exception of Ride the Wild, I didn't really... I didn't really love most of those songs. I included Wiener Schnitzel in my cut because I thought it was funny, and it's the yeah. it's the first track on my cut, so I was like, okay, <laughs> let's kick it off with it's, some crazy fucking Wiener Schnitzel order. It's, it also costs nothing in terms of time. Exactly, and that says something for a hardcore album. <laughs> like. Right, but yeah, like, I yeah, if, if this were a Rush album, any one of these songs would be the length of like an interlude right exactly yeah it's the fucking the song I like food I want my 30 whatever seconds back like that didn't need to be a song but but yeah overall I, I've enjoyed my time with this record again and it makes me feel like we need to do a bunch more punk stuff and cause like really I think really it's our first punk like, isn't it, is our first punk record that we've done? I think so, I, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> I think we've, I think we've all talked about dipping the toes in at a number of different points and it just has to happen. I think it's fitting that Toma starts it because really like, like I talked about, we both talked about like, you know, a friend of ours at Petersburg, like turning us on to punk music early, mm -hmm. but you and your sister were like, the first confirmation I had outside of the Duh. normal group of friends that were all turned on by the same people. Right. So when I came to Moorfield, you guys were both on punk when I met you. And, yeah. and, and I feel like there had to have been some descendants there somewhere, but I, for me, it was a lot of like compilation albums full of bands I'd never spent the proper amount of time with. I, uh, man, that, that first punk, I think it was the first punk program. I listened to that song. I wore that one out yeah, a lot. Yeah. I also had, I had a Rancid t-shirt and a No Effects t-shirt that I wore to school a lot. I didn't have a Descendants t-shirt. I remember the Rancid t-shirt. And the reason why, I think, is just because they were already, they had become all by that point. Descendants were a thing back when we were still children, and by the time we were in high school, it was hard. It was hard to they find a Rancid shirt. It was hard to find a NoFX shirt. There was no internet then. It was hard to find this shit. But yeah. I managed to. And so I think that's probably why. Probably. Yeah. But also, I would just like to state for the record that Jill got that from me. She's... <laughs> no, no, I don't fully agree. It's really important yeah. to make that clear. Yeah. But that, that was probably, like, that was probably one of the things that, like, drew me to, like, talking to you i think it was like a social studies class or something that we it had certainly wasn't this sunny ass disposition i can tell you that much. <laughs> no but it was like i think you had your rancid shirt on one day and i was like 
haha like <laughs> you have a rancid shirt we should be friends yeah it's honestly wild how many people like you like i said this whole my exposure to all this started because i wore a green day shirt to a fucking spelling bee and somebody else was doing the same thing it's wild how like wearing band t-shirts like gets you places right? <laughs> like, like develops I mean, relationships i feel like there's a coming of age movie like somewhere that's just about how like it sucks to be in a small town like with like different tastes than everybody else and how it takes for to advertise it and and then that's actually how you make your closest friends when you're like hey fuck you all i love rancid right (laughs) like like, take your parents music and stick it up your ass (laughs) we also had to we had to do this when there was no social media and no internet so we really had to grind at it hard now i feel like it's cheating because everybody can just get on TikTok and listen to the same mashup or whatever. I feel like we did it when it was hard. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and yeah, I think that sure. there is something there, right? Like, I think about the idea of poser, right? Which is a very, like, punk concept, this yes. idea of poser. And and I, I listened to hardcore, like, L.A. punk from the early 80s, and I think, like, this music resonated with me, but... I was in Milo's camp. Like, I was a Milo for this type of music, for sure. Yeah. Especially because there's nothing in West Virginia that ties me to, like, the things that create satitude in them. But it all, create like, connects back to that same concept. And, like, now it's okay. You can be, like, in this, like, little niche component of society, and you can be connected to it through, like the web but for us it was like you find your way in from like a compilation cd that exists because you subscribe to a magazine or you're scamming you're scamming a right subscription service like you yeah yeah you don't get that like in of going to the skate park and hearing a thing and then going to like some all ages show to catch the band or a house party or something like so in in the hard standards of what would have been a poser, I certainly would have been a poser. <laughs> but at the same time, like, the attitude was there. Even though it was, like, fueled by different things, it was still, like, palpable and still relatable in this rural West Virginia town. It was really fun. Yeah. You felt special. And when you found other people that felt that way, you felt like... Yeah, like, like, like I, up to this point, I wasn't sure I could have been crazy, and now at least they're crazy with me. Yeah, but they're crazy with me is really important. I never really questioned, like, listen, I looked around that county and never really once doubted that I was in the right compared to the, the folks. This girl on my bus used to constantly want to listen to Ace of Bass, and then whenever she wasn't hogging the, the radio, we were listening to, like, country radio. I never questioned that. That was never questioned. I like Ace of Base, just but, for the record. That's fine. <laughs> I don't mean to disparage his I, 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 I did get real tired of hearing it because it was all the damn Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that... So, that is a legitimate complaint. That, that, that I can understand, yeah. yeah. 
but I 100% think it was like very much a relief to be like, oh, thank God, someone will want to listen to this with me and talk about it with me, and that is nice because everyone else is giving me weird ass looks. I just want to sit here and nerd out about about all these albums, and that's the important thing. Yeah, and that's why 30 years later, here we are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Confirming, in fact, that we aren't, or that we are at least crazy together. And we still yeah. want to just sit here and talk about these damn albums. Uh, Anybody will listen and nobody if that's what we got. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Into the void if necessary. Uh-huh. Um, Where does this sit for you, Tom? Yeah. I'm really curious because this is, this is right in that like pocket of like high school Toma like sounds. So I want to know how like how your rating oh. sits with this album. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like like you guys, maybe it's been longer. I listened to this eighth grade, ninth I think eighth grade was probably the heaviest rotation for me of this one. And I didn't really I had a heavy phase with it and then I put it down for a long time and I would remember it here and there. But I never really gave it heavy listening in the interim because I'm always listening to new stuff. I've got new things, new kicks that I'm on. Um, So coming back to it was a lot of fun. I agree with you guys that there are large chunks of this. Maybe not large chunks, but there are chunks of this. One of the reasons I picked this for a two disc one cut is because it needs to be one disc, in my opinion. There's a disc worth of gold here of great stuff. There's also from, with the exception of Ride the Wild and It's a Hectic World, that second half, it doesn't need to, it can go. It can yeah, go. it was uh, fat. It could, they should have trimmed the fat, but anyway. Sure. I mean, in a way, they did when they made these separate albums, I and mean, then we could have just listened to Milo Goes to College, but I really We would have missed that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Here yeah. we are. But. One of the things I really love about this album, and I'm I'm just paraphrasing stuff we've touched on throughout this whole conversation, but it's amazing for its absolute sincerity in the face of talking about some of the absolute dumbest shit. It's unapologetically, you know, this is fine because when you're that age, dumb shit's important, okay? And I'm not minimizing some of these. Some of these songs, there's every emotion you could possibly want to experience. There's anger, there's disdain, there's longing. Some of it's very sweet. Some of it's very fuck you. Some of it's like just this huge, just dislike of the scene and and of various groups of people, of chads. But you can really find just about every emotion on here paired with either the most absolutely ridiculous subject matter or the most serious subject matter it's just like a whirlwind you can find one of any combination throughout all of this like statue of liberty i I laughed i meant to bring (laughs) this up when you said it earlier yeah but when you said that statue of liberty what was the other one uh parents parents yeah i laughed my ass off to myself because i was like yeah like when i was like how old were they when they wrote parents were they 10 they exactly yeah they might they have been. been they could have been exactly and and statue of liberty which like just lyrically it's just okay i have, <laughs> right? I have in my little notes i'm just like of all the things like i get they're young teenage boys like i get how some of this other stuff is on their radar but i'm like of all the subject matter that like got written about 
How the hell is the Statue of Liberty making that cut? How is Lady Liberty on their list of shit to really be caring about? Yeah. From Los Angeles. Right? It's like, have, From Los Angeles. have you ever listened to, I think it's Eddie Murphy, I think it's Delirious maybe, where he's talking about how when he was a kid, because he tried to do stand-up when he was really young, because he really got big when he was like 18, yeah. 19, so, and he's talking about his early material, and he's like, yeah, I only did jokes about what I knew, and all I knew was about like, shitting, so like, all these jokes were about like, taking shits, and horrible shit and it's just it's the same thing here like they probably thought yeah. the statue of liberty was cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> on cue there it is right all yeah. right but yeah no it's just it's wild to, to find something that is just so like unapologetically just honest honest in whether it's cool or not just there are no apologies for what it is and yeah. i really love that whole attitude even when it's dumb as hell but it's dumb as hell and goofy in a way that even I can still enjoy the spirit of it. So, it, but also for a punk album and for being as early as this is, I'll just double, I'll just double emphasize that the, the face on here is just, it, it continues to blow my mind even today, even re-listening now. I'm just like, oh my God, listen to that. Listen, I'm not even sure that was really on my radar all that much when I listened to it earlier. Yeah. And now it is. Now I'm like really appreciating the musicianship that went into this way more than I did before. I think before it was more just, I just wanted to yell along with them about dumb shit. Man, it's so good. And we're gonna, we're in the after party, there should be a link for the All Pummel album, which is just, Lewis, I don't know if you were here when I was like, Singing the praises of that, but my god, that's a masterpiece too. And Stefan and Carl, between the two of them, really <laughs> it's, just did work. I, I added uh, I added that to um, added that to the after party playlist, so wait, we're, nice. we're good there. So wait, what was the number rating? Number rating? The what now? <laughs> Your number rating? Oh, my numeric rating. Oh, for the whole thing, the whole album gets a an, an honest numeric 3.5, I'm not, that's mathematical, I can't fudge that. Mm. My cut gets a 4.55 because it's just solid. And, and, and I think ours are pretty similar, give or take. Give or take, yeah. I think there's a lot, there's actually a lot more overlap than typically, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't include I Want to Be a Bear. I probably should though. It's pretty fucking funny <laughs> and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my didn't include it, and then I went back like, and listened, no, like, listened to the whole that's album, and I'm like, no, that, that should be there. Yeah. Yeah. Has, <laughs> that should be there. Has there ever been a better lyric than, you'll get old and have a wrinkled ass? Probably, <laughs> but not for the purposes of right now, no. Not right. for my money. Not for my money. Though. All right, well, so before before we break for the after party, I, I, I think it's my turn and next time. Yeah, and do you have this figured out already? I do, I do. So we're going to go to a similar time. We're going to go to 1984. We're really going to throw a fucking curveball here. And we're going to listen to and cut down Iron Maiden's album from 1984, Power Slave. Wow. Death to False Metal. Wow. So, <laughs> completely different direction, I would say. Yeah, it's gonna be a black <laughs> mine.